Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Okay, we're going to make a start. Thank you so much, everyone, for, uh, for making it out on a uh, Sunday morning. It's a very, very um, huge uh, sacrifice of time that I know is precious to you. And I do hope it is well worth uh, that sacrifice this morning as we prepare uh, for the term ahead and really for the year ahead as a, as a church family. We'll be uh, hearing, I think, some exciting plans for us in the next uh, 12 months and especially focusing in on uh, what we'll be doing in our small groups right across the church family uh, in the autumn term. Uh, you can see just uh, up here on the screen uh, what we'll be doing this morning, two sessions. Uh, this morning we're going to kick off by diving straight into the Bible. Paul Williams will be uh, leading us in that and then giving us a sort of an overview of where we're going to be heading this year with A Passion for Life. We'll take a a little two-minute break after that uh, to stretch legs, and then uh, I'm going to help us uh, look at the the material we'll be using in our Bible studies uh, this term, uh, A Passion to Witness. And then we'll have a a 15-minute break. And then our last session, I'm hoping it's going to be a really encouraging session. We're going to hear stories of uh, people who have either been sharing the gospel personally or people who have had the gospel shared with them and have come uh, to life in the Lord Jesus. So great uh, great stories to hear there, and also we're going to finish uh, by doing what this year is uh, going to rely on completely, and that is prayer uh, for our God to bless the endeavours that we're a part of together. And then I'm going to wrap up with uh, just a few things that we need to talk about. But I'm going to pray now, and uh, then hand over to Paul. Father God, thank you so much uh, for your kindness to us. Thank you for giving us this morning. Thank you for uh, an abundance of uh, food to enjoy together. Uh, thank you for those that have prepared it for us. And Father, we do pray that you will bless this morning. Uh, help us as we dive into your word now to discover the, the glorious things about you and the hope you have given us there. Uh, so capture our heart with that, that this year that we as a church family, and especially us as uh, leaders of small groups, uh, will be delighted in serving you and uh, living and speaking for you uh, this year in this place and this city. And we pray this for your glory's sake. Amen. Thank you, Andrew. Let me uh, encourage you to do three things. Firstly, um, to make sure you've all got one of these. I think they're at the end of the table if you haven't yet got them. Uh, so that'll be the handout for the next uh, 20 minutes or so. Uh, the second thing you might like to do is to turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. The third thing that you might like to do when you've found 1 Peter chapter 3 is to make sure your mobile phone is either turned off or on silent. I'm not quite sure whether people are actually at the moment now turning their phones off or whether they're finding their Bible on their phone. But either way, I'm assuming you've done something with your mobile device. Now let me read 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and hum- humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you? If you are eager to do good, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. 
But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who hopes, uh, who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Well, this uh, new year, exciting uh, new uh, academic year, it always feels really like the beginning of the year to me, um, is uh, uh, going to have a, this big thrust around a passion for life. Now, uh, some of you will know, have heard a little bit about passion for life. Some of you will remember it from last time. Uh, some of you won't have a clue what that means. Don't worry at the moment what that is about. But in short, uh, and we will say more about it later, but in short, uh, it is a whole year of thinking about evangelism, and equipping the church family in the task of uh, proclaiming the gospel. Now, I reckon that's um, a crucial thing uh, for all of us, um, because uh, most people I find, there are one or two for whom this isn't true, but most people I talk to find evangelism tough. And uh, when I ask people what they find difficult about evangelism, usually, well, there are many answers, but one big answer uh, fills them all, and that is fear. Uh, a fear of, of rejection, a fear of ridicule. Now, I still remember when we were doing um, one big question a couple of years ago, and um, I was very excited about that opportunity. Do you remember where we were asking our friends that one big question? If you could ask God one question and you knew it would be answered, uh, what would it be? I thought a non-threatening sort of way in uh, to open up a conversation, I thought it would be a great way to do things. And I did ask a number of friends, but there were, there were one group of friends uh, down at the tennis club, who are nice guys, but I can still remember after playing tennis and uh, going down uh, to the rising sun afterwards for a glass of orange juice, um, uh, we all had our orange juices in front of us, and um, I had in my tennis bag uh, those little cards uh, that I was supposed to then say to the friends, um, you know, we've got this thing going, what, what do you think? What would be your one big question? Do you mind writing it down? And I sat there almost unable to engage in the other conversation that was going on because I was thinking, how do I introduce this? How do I... It was pathetic, frankly, but that was how I felt. And I, and I can only see it as being, you know, feeling... I don't they'd have rejected me. They wouldn't have not played tennis with me anymore. I mean, they... The reason they wouldn't do that is because I'm rubbish at tennis, not because of that. But um, I, I felt they might ridicule me, not even in front of me, uh, but maybe as I stepped up uh, and went out of the room. So fear, fear of persecution, perhaps. Um, I guess that's um, not a big thing for us, but uh, certainly at work, um, that might, you might feel that, that on the edge of, I don't get the promotion, that might feel persecution. Um, Fear of not knowing what to say. Again, I look back years when I was um, working in the newspaper industry and I prayed most mornings, I think, as far as I can remember, uh, in my quiet time, that I would be able to have an opportunity to witness for the Lord Jesus at work, um, both in my lifestyle and in my words. And um, I can still remember um, as we went up, that we had, I ran a little department and we used to go up to the canteen. Uh, there were 400 people on site, so sort of big canteen. And I'd go up to, we'd go up to the canteen, I thought, well, this is my opportunity, really, to speak about the Lord Jesus. And uh, I'd always um, bow my head in prayer um, uh, to give thanks for my food, partly to make the point I was a Christian, although they knew that, to kind of remind them. 
And as I gave thanks for my food, having prayed in the morning that I have opportunity to speak about the Lord Jesus, as I gave thanks for my food, I was also praying, but Lord, please don't let them ask me any difficult question I can't answer. Uh, Lord, don't, don't, I mean, I didn't actually say this, but what I was thinking was, don't even let them say, what must I do to be saved? Because I wouldn't have known how to lead them to Christ. Isn't that bizarre? So here I am wanting to share the gospel. That is my desire. And yet I actually don't really want to get into conversation because I don't know all the answers that I might have or I don't even know how to lead someone to Christ. Now, 1 Peter chapter 3 deals with fears. Um, You will have your own. Uh, You may not have as many as me, um, but I'm sure you'll have some. Uh, In chapter 3, Peter is encouraging Christians to stand up for and to speak out for Jesus. He's doing that through the whole letter, in fact. And he says in verse 14, don't fear. Look, even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. Now, the first readers of 1 Peter had very good reason to fear uh, for speaking out for Jesus and for being Christians. Just turn back to chapter 1, verse 6, um, if you will, with me, and you'll see uh, a key verse which sets out the context for the whole letter. Now, look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Now, the word there is multicoloured trials. Um, you might remember multicoloured swap shop. It's got absolutely nothing to do with that. Some of you are far too young to know what I'm talking about. But multicoloured trials, trials coming in many, many different ways. Um, I imagine around the dinner table at night, um, the family sitting there um, and uh, dad saying to the rest of the family, how's your, dad, how's your day been? And one of the children say, well, dad, actually, it's been awful. I've been ridiculed at school today for being a Christian. Um, uh, my friends in the playground called me a Bible basher. A Jesus freak. It's been terrible. It's been getting worse. Uh, then mum says, well, you know, I've had a bad day as well. You know, since I invited my friends to that event at church, uh, the, the friends at the school gate are avoiding me. I'm sure they're avoiding me. They're, they don't really want to chat to me. They're, they're just not interested anymore. And dad says, well, you know, I, I need to tell you I've had a bad day too. Uh, you know, I've, I've been trying to do what is right at work and uh, my boss doesn't like it. And he says, if I carry on working the way I'm working uh, in terms of doing the right thing and not doing this dodgy deal, I'm likely to lose my job. Uh, Just in one family, many coloured trials, not necessarily in one piece, a hard line persecution, not being thrown to the lines, perhaps, uh, but that kind of persecution that increasingly in this country we're understanding. Many uh, multicoloured trials because they're Christian. So they had many reasons to fear uh, speaking out for Jesus and standing up for him. So back to 1 Peter chapter 3, as Peter writes verse 13, as he writes, who's going to harm you even if you are eager to do good? As he writes that, Peter's readers will be thinking, well, quite a few people actually. We are eager to do what is good, but we're being persecuted, we're being harmed. Uh, And so Peter writes at the end of uh, verse 14, do not fear what they fear, do not be frightened. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Now, in, in verse 14 at the end there, Peter is quoting Isaiah chapter 8, verse 12. You don't have to be clever to know that because most Bibles have a cross-reference to know that. The whole quote in, in Isaiah 8 is this. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to fear. Uh, he is the one you are to dread. 
You see, in Isaiah, as you'll remember, because we did this a year ago, God's people had a very good reason to fear. They feared invasion by the Assyrians, the world's great superpower of the day. And Isaiah says, rather than fear that great army, fear the Lord Almighty. You have good reason to fear. They really are a mighty army. But don't fear them, fear the Lord. Don't worry about what men can do to you, although they can do very serious things to you. Don't fear them, fear God. And that was the point of Isaiah's words. Here, Peter is making the same point, but fascinatingly, he doesn't say in verse 15, fear the Lord Almighty. He says, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Now, as an aside, this is a great verse to uh, demonstrate the divinity of Christ. Once again, we see it all over the Bible. But if you get into a com- conversation with a Jehovah Witness on the door, this would be a good one to turn to. Show them the cross-reference in, in, in Isaiah 8 and then show them how Peter understands it. But that's an aside. The crucial point is, I think this is the first step to overcoming fear in evangelism. Set apart Christ as Lord. In other words, fear Christ above everyone else. Um, We don't often talk about what it means to fear Christ. It's it's not a concept that we understand. Now, let me tell you the story that I told you when we were doing uh, Isaiah uh, last year. Uh, When uh, the girls uh, were much younger, when they were sort of just a couple of years old, um, we used to play lions. And lions was, uh, the girls would run into one room and I would be on my hands and knees being like a lion, padding in and roaring. And they'd giggle and run into another room. And I'd pad into another room and say, and they'd laugh into another room. And so it would go on until, frankly, I got fed up because they never did. Um, uh, But on this one occasion, as we were doing it, they were laughing. They said, louder, Daddy. So I padded in. Ran away, giggling from the other room. Louder, Daddy. I padded in. In another room. Louder, Daddy! Much louder, Daddy! So I ran in. I ran in. Got up on my on all fours. On all fours? No. I got up on my hind legs. On my legs. Whatever I am. I'm not a lion. I'm a person. I got up and I ran in and I went like that. And they burst into tears and they ran to my legs, one holding on to each each leg. And it was only on reflection. I thought, oh, that's what it is to fear. When you when you fear the Lord, He is scary. At that time, I was really scary to them. But what they didn't do was run away. There was nowhere to go. They ran to him. That's to fear the Lord. There's another aspect of fearing the Lord, and that is actually you know, understanding what it means to love him. Um, uh, I, you might be surprised when I say this, but I fear Caroline. Um, now, you know, most of you know her. She's here. Most of you know her. Um, uh, she's not a 25-stone beer-drinking Russian shop-putter. Um, <laughs> Never has been, which hasn't sort of slimmed down since we came here. Uh, never once, when I've been late home and haven't told her, has uh, she been brandishing uh, the, the rolling pin, uh, shouting at me for being late and telling me that the dinner's in the dog. Or, no, no, we haven't got a dog, that's why. But no, I mean, she's just not like that. And uh, in fact, uh, spare her blushes, but uh, she, uh, she's one of the most sort of even-tempered people I know. You know, I, I, I don't get a, a tongue lashing. But uh, why then do I fear her? Well, because I fear the thought of upsetting her. I fear the thought of doing something that would so disappoint her to see that look on her face that 
you know, and, and the words that could come out, how could you do that to me, um, is a fear that I have. And a right fear, because uh, fear is, that kind of fear comes out of love, you see. Now, that is what God is talking about. That's what Peter is talking about here um, as, uh, as we read his word. Um, verse 14, don't fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. You have good reason to fear them, actually. But don't do that. In Isaiah's language, but fear the Lord Almighty, but here, but in your hearts, verse 15, set apart Christ as Lord. And do have a genuine fear of the Lord, so that you know there's nowhere else to go and you run to him. Do have a genuine fear of him in the sense of you love him above uh, everyone else. And that means when I'm in that sort of situation where I'm, I am genuinely fearful Maybe it, isn't, maybe, it, maybe it isn't even genuine fear, but it still has fear. Uh, if I've set apart Christ as Lord, says Peter, that's how I'm going to overcome that fear, and I've got a fighting chance of, of being uh, evangelistically uh, effective and even speaking out for the Lord as I should. Now, what does it mean to set apart Christ as Lord? Uh, this time last year, um, we, uh, we celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary by going to Paris. It was a lovely time. Uh, I only said this morning, I wish we were going off to Paris again. No, I, I'm pleased I'm with you, genuinely, but um, it just felt like that, that you know, when we got up a bit later than we should have done. When we were there, we, we saw all, this, all the standard sites, but we went to the Louvre and, um, and uh, tried to see the Mona Lisa. It's quite difficult. You know, there are so many people there. It's very, very difficult to see uh, the Mona Lisa. I could barely get close, but uh, just managed to get a little peep uh, at it and, uh, and take a photo uh, above all the heads now, I don't know much about art or art galleries. <laughs> Can I tell you that? I really don't know anything about art or art galleries. But I'm told that in any decent art gallery, there is one place, one room, that has the very best place for that piece of art to be hanging, uh, for, the, the, for the masterpiece to be hanging, the very best place, because the light is right and, you know, the shade through everything. That's where you, you, your prized piece you, you put there. Now, that is what it's like with the Christian and our hearts. There are lots of things in our lives that want the prime position in our hearts. Lots of good things, family. Uh, Lots of neutral things, tennis. Uh, Pathetic things want our hearts, number one place. Leeds United Football Club. Many things vie for that first place in my heart, but Peter says, give that position to Jesus Christ. In your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Put him, as it were, in the art gallery of your life. Sorry, it's a terrible line. I didn't have that written down. I wish I hadn't said it. But um, now that I've said it, in the art gallery of your life, put Jesus in that prime position and uh, keep giving it to him. See, the interesting thing is here that Peter is writing to Christians, not writing to unbelievers, set apart Christ as Lord. It's something I've got to keep on doing. Uh, So let me ask you, encourage you indeed, before we even start talking about evangelism, uh, and before we even start talking about encouraging those who we care for uh, this term, and before we start encouraging them to think about evangelism, let me ask you, beginning of a new term, is Jesus Christ there in that prime place in your heart? Have you set him apart as Lord afresh today? It is a daily thing. I, um, it's, not, it's not really the sort of thing that people talk about much, sadly, as evangelicals today. But the quiet time, 
is the place where you do that. The regular time of reading the Bible and praying. Has that slipped? Slips in my life from time to time. I need somebody to grab hold of me and say, are you doing that? Start again. And each day say, I'm going to put Jesus Christ as Lord in my heart. I'm going to put him, I'm going to give him that prime position, a daily time with him. That actually is the first step to evangelism. Fearing Jesus, running to him, uh, because there's nowhere else to run, and loving him above everything else, um, uh, because I put him as the, as the key one in my life, wanting to please him above everyone else. So set apart Christ as Lord. Uh, the rest of, uh, you might be a bit worried at this point, you think that's point one, this is going to be a very long talk, we're going to move for a bit quicker now. When we do that, when we set apart Christ as Lord, we, um, it has a fantastic effect on our lives. Look how verse 15 works. In your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do you see what is implied between the first part of verse 15 and the second? It is this, that as you set apart Christ as Lord, others will ask you for the hope you have. In other words, um, they'll see that you're a Christian. They'll see something about your life. That is different, that they will ask you. That's brilliant, isn't that a great thought? Evangelism that happens because people ask you why you have such a great hope in your life. Isn't that fantastic? Of course, it's also a great challenge. As I read this, I have to ask, when was the last time somebody looked at my life and said, oh, he's got such a great life, I want to know him, what I want to know from him, why he lives the way he does. So it is a challenge as well. But the point is, as you, put, as you set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts more and more and more, your life will become more and more attractive and people will want to know why. Uh, I, again, I was reflecting on when I used to work in the newspaper business and uh, I reckon my colleagues, although they knew I was a Christian, I reckon if you were to ask them, uh, yeah, I remember when Paul Williams used to, they probably won't even remember me, but just imagine that they could. Remember when you used to work with Paul Williams, he was a Christian, what do you remember about his life? I mean, you know, uh, there'd probably be all sorts of stuff they'd say, but they might say something like this. And I'd say, oh, yeah, he, yeah I know he wasn't a Christian. He didn't drink, um, he didn't swear, and he didn't, he didn't sleep around. Uh, and those were significant things in the environment that I was in. Um, all well and good. But you hear all negative things. He didn't do this, he didn't do that, he didn't do that. How I wish I'd been known for the very attractive qualities of verse 8, 9, 10, and 11. Verse 8. Live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love. Be compassionate and humble. Don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Um, verse 10. Uh, the, uh, keeping tongue from evil. Lips from a deceitful speech. Uh, seeking peace, verse 11. Those are the qualities our lives should be displaying. Often uh, notice... Uh, from what comes out of my lips, but also, uh, of course, the way I live. Those are the qualities that our lives will display as we increasingly set apart Christ as Lord. And it's that kind of sort of lifestyle that will lead people to ask, well, well, why do you believe what you believe? To give a reason for the hope that we have, verse 15. Uh, so, the first thing, uh, set apart Christ as Lord and your life will change. Second thing, um, always be prepared because people will ask you. Always be prepared, verse 15, to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Here, Peter deals with the second reason Christians have a fear of speaking about Jesus because they don't know what to say. 
So Peter says we need to be prepared to give a reason. That, the word here is apologia. Uh, we get the word apologetics from this verse, uh, from this word. Uh, a reasoned argument. Be prepared to give a reasoned argument. Or as a good friend of mine puts it, you've got to know your spiritual onions. No, I didn't think that would connect with anybody. I won't use that one again either. Um, anyway, knowing, knowing what you know, knowing why you know what you know, knowing how to answer these tough questions. What a travesty if we're living this, we've set apart Christ as Lord, we're living this life which is significantly um, different, positively different from other people. And then people say, can you tell me why you've got this hope? And then we don't know what to say. Isn't that sad? Here's the challenge then, to have reasonable thought-through answers to questions. Now that takes hard work. I, um, as a, as a young, much younger Christian, I made an agreement with myself that I'd never be caught on the same question twice. I thought to myself, it's not a sh- I'm not, there's nothing shameful in somebody asking me a question that I've never thought of before. Hell. I know, I'm not a, a quick thinker. I can't think on my feet very well. well I don't know the answer to that. Um, but it's not very good if I get caught twice. Maybe you could make, I'm not sure, the Bible doesn't say you've got to make that agreement with yourself, but you might like to. Never be caught in the same question twice. And I've found that that has helped me to grow as a Christian, actually, because as people have asked me questions, I'm like, yeah, good question. I've gone away and I've had to think about it, and I've gone to other people and say, how would you answer that question? And over time, I've uh, got these thoughts in my head, a bank of answers uh, that generally I can recall uh, when I'm asked the question again. Um, always be prepared. Uh, notice too here that um, uh, uh, Peter reckons it's quite reasonable that people are going to ask us questions. And I think this is really important as well in our own personal evangelism. Um, uh, we, we've just bought a house. Um, that's a scary thing. We spent a lot of money, more money than we'll ever spend on anything else, on buying a house. And as a result, we asked lots of questions. Well, in fact, we even employed somebody to ask all the questions for us. Um, uh, what do they call them? Uh, surveyor. Uh, yeah, lawyer. Uh, I was thinking of another word, actually, that I now won't use about lawyers. Huh? I convinced it wasn't that word. It was another word about lawyers that isn't very positive because we've just paid them a lot of money. Anyway, we paid somebody a lot of money to ask questions about the house, you see. Are there any lawyers here? Have I upset anybody? Dutch. Only Dutch. I've only upset you. Great. You're not in, you're not in um, property, then, are you? <laughs> Very good. Good. I won't upset you again. Anyway, I'm di- di- digressing. The point is, you ask lots of questions when you're going to make a big decision. When somebody becomes a Christian, when somebody becomes a Christian, you ask. They're asking. When somebody asks a question, it's quite reasonable that they ask us questions because they are about to make a bigger decision than buying a house. They're going to they're make the biggest decision of their lives. This affects everything, doesn't it? It affects um, you know, uh, what they do, uh, where they spend their money, uh, how they spend their time, who they spend it with. Um, everything. Uh, so I think we ought to be more ready to get those <coughs> questions coming to us. Uh, more, ought to be more um, ready to answer them, uh, but also more ready uh, to say, that's, that's all right, you've asked that. 
That's a good question. That's an impo- that needs to be dealt with. And that's why I think we go on to the third point in this, um, in this uh, passage. He then says, uh, he says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But then thirdly, but do this with gentleness and respect. You see, so often when somebody asks us questions, we, we don't view them as, it's okay to ask the question. Uh, we usually view it as, oh, they're just being awkward. Well, sometimes people are being awkward, but we still have to answer their questions. I think that really a lot of the problem is that we don't have the answers. That's why we view them as being awkward. We feel threatened. And of course, when you feel threatened, you fight back. Uh, my dad taught me um, years ago, never corner a rat. And do you know why you should never corner a rat? Apparently it goes to your throat. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but I believe my dad and I've never cornered a rat. <laughs> Uh, it gets, it gets, you get defensive and it goes through your throat. Now, I reckon Christians are a bit like that. Sometimes people ask us questions and we feel cornered. And, uh, and so our reaction is to go for the throat. You know, well, no, 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 no. Do it with gentleness and respect for all sorts of reasons. They've asked a question. They need to have their, their, answer, their questions answered. It's good to ask questions. Um, uh, don't feel defensive. How do you do that? Set apart Christ's Lord, always be prepared. Um, uh, so always be prepared, uh, answer questions with gentleness and respect, and, um, and, and why bother with all of this? Uh, well, verse 17, it is better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. Uh, that's why we're even bothered, uh, because this is the answer uh, to people's greatest problem being separated from God. And uh, we'll think more about that through this term. Well, that, as I hope, is a personal introduction. When I say personal, not from me, but for us to Passion for Life before we begin to think about telling other people about Passion for Life, about how we uh, need to be thinking about sharing the gospel. Well, let me introduce a Passion to Life 2014 to you. And uh, we're going to have a little video, and um, I think Gareth's going to... Oh, I just have to click, do Nice colour, Gareth. Great. Passion for Life 2014. Now, let me uh, make the point that a Passion for Life 2014 is more than just a week of mission. Uh, it does include that, and uh, the week of mission here at Fullwood will be um, the uh, 15th of March to the 23rd of March 2014. Uh, so that's a, a set of dates you'll have again and again. Do we want to just put the lights back on? Uh, it's a little bit dark, isn't it? Thank you very much. Thanks, Paul. Fantastic. Uh, so it is a week of mission, but it's so much more. Um, uh, and uh, with a focus both before this week and indeed after. So there are four elements to A Passion for Life 2014. Firstly, there's training. Uh, secondly, uh, preparation. Thirdly, the mission week. And fourthly, follow-up. Now, if you can't remember those, don't worry, you'll find them actually printed uh, on, the, uh, on the information that you've got in front of you. Uh, but let me go through some of these things uh, with you now. Firstly, training. Uh, under this heading, the big thrust this term will be the, the Passion for Witness um, uh, course that you will uh, have DVDs for and that will be happening uh, right through um, uh, the, uh, the small groups. 
Um, now, uh, in a moment, Andrew's going to introduce one session to you to show you how a whole session will work. And uh, you'll, you'll have seen a little clip already uh, from them. And I think you'll agree that they're really a good resource for us. Um, uh, a smaller thing that we're doing as well at the same time is uh, preaching through the book of Romans in the evenings and the book of Acts in the mornings. And uh, those two things, we think, will very much dovetail with uh, encouraging us to be uh, evangelistic and uh, to be putting into practice the things that we learn uh, on, in our small groups. Uh, anyway, more of that in a moment. Um, and um, uh, Andrew will introduce that to us. Let me say at this point, if you identify training needs, so if in this term you say, you know, there's something that keeps coming up again and again that either our group or if we hear it right across the church, we're just not prepared for and the DVD has begun to give us something but we need more of that or something completely different, let us know and we will attempt to put on an appropriate event uh, to make you feel that you're being trained. Uh, or point you towards resources. One way or another, we, we don't want it to be a, a one-way thing. This is all in place, we've got everything printed, you've just got to sit there and listen. We want to be responding to what you're discovering uh, through uh, these next uh, months. So training is the first thing. Second thing is preparation. Now this next term will be not only a time to be being trained, but also to be prepared to run events for our friends during the week of mission. Uh, we, we know, we recognise that, that your friends, uh, that you know your friends better than we do. Uh, we reckon uh, you know what your friends would come to in terms of a, an event uh, better than we do. Uh, so we want the church family, and uh, we're going to encourage you to do this in small groups, or even within, in small groups within small groups. It could be two or three people within a small group. Uh, but small groups to organise evangelistic events during our week of mission... Uh, so that we might literally have dozens of events running during Mission Week. So let me give you a few uh, ideas, a few tasters for the sorts of things uh, that might uh, be. Um, in a previous church that I was involved in, one of the first events that I ever went to was a wine tasting evening. It was run by two small groups. So there were about 24 people um, who went to these groups, 12 in each. And uh, they decided that their friends liked wine and their friends would come to a wine tasting evening. Uh, they had some nice cheeses laid out in a really nice, nicely decorated room. Um, and they got a speaker from Fortnum and Masons, who was a Christian. She spoke intelligently, but not stuffily about the wine. She was funny. Uh, she didn't take herself too seriously. As a Christian, she spoke as she went along brilliantly about why she was a Christian as well. It was a really brilliant evening. And um, uh, at the end of it, uh, I remember Rico Tice popped up and uh, he said, just as you don't judge a wine by its label, we've learned that tonight, you shouldn't judge uh, Christ by Christians and by the church. And did a little talk on that. Now there were 24 people organising the event. 60 people came. Isn't that brilliant? And uh, uh, I think it worked because, um, because it was just the right thing for, mainly, this is the reason it worked, it was just the right people, just the right event for the people uh, who were invited. Uh, I think it also worked, frankly, because there were 24 people who thought, if we don't get anybody along, um, it's going to be a bit of a damp squib, really. Uh, we'll just have bottles of wine to drink on our own. Um, so uh, they, they owned it. 
and they sold it, and uh, it was a great evening. Now, let me tell you about another event. Very, very simple. Twelve people, one small group, uh, organised a pub quiz. Uh, they hired uh, a room in, uh, above, uh, above the, a, a pub in, in the West End. Um, they all invited five other people to join the team. So, again, there were 60 at that event. Um, um, and uh, at the end of it, uh, they asked me to give a talk. I gave a talk on the big questions of life, having been thinking about questions all through the event. And uh, one girl, uh, Andrea, works, uh, still does work, as far as I know, at the British Library. Uh, she brought her friends along. Um, it was quite amusing to me that, uh, as I was speaking with them afterwards, I discovered that they had twice the amount of PhDs between them than I had O-levels. Um, uh, anyway, that was uh, just one of those fascinating things. Um, uh, and um, I, uh, 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 th- they said at the end to Andrea, you know, we've really enjoyed this. We didn't know Christians could have so much fun. Now, it didn't mean they became Christians, but it broke down a barrier. And it was a very significant moment in Andrea, then going on talking to her friends about the Lord Jesus and made it much easier for her to invite them to things in the future because they didn't feel that Christians were odd and stuffy. Well, at least not all of them anyway. Uh, Let me tell you a third event that I organised with a friend of mine. It was a tennis tournament um, because I like tennis and so did he. Um, We managed to get 50 people go along. They weren't all uh, unbelievers, um, but but half of them were because we basically uh, ran a doubles tournament and we tried to say to other Christians we knew, why don't you bring one unbeliever along, uh, make a a, a doubles team, and uh, we used to play. I took one guy along. He'd never been to anything before. Um, and uh, he said to me after, uh, between, you know, when we were waiting for our next match, there was sort of round robin of matches. When we were waiting for our next round robin of matches, he said to me, um, are all these people Christians? And I, uh, or do, or do all these people go to church, is what he said. And I said, uh, well, no, no, um, uh, uh, I don't know that person, but, but he does, and then she does, I don't know them. And I pointed out the people that I knew, and uh, he said to me, they're really nice people, aren't they? Again, something had happened to him. He just, I don't know what he expected, but he wasn't expecting to meet nice people. Um, and, uh, and that would have been a big moment. Um, and then uh, let me tell you uh, one other event uh, or, or style of event that I've been involved in uh, on missions, and they've been wonderful, and that is the Evangelistic Supper Party. I dare say that some of you have come across these in the past. Very easy. You just invite um, a number of friends, half a dozen, uh, eight friends, however many you can fit into your room. Uh, you give them a meal. And uh, before you have coffee or before you have pud or at some point, uh, you introduce the speaker um, and uh, the speaker gives just a little bit. Well, by then they've met the speaker because he's sitting around the table as well. Um, And then you give a a short introduction to to the Christian faith and then answer any questions that come. Uh, Those have been fantastic. Um, Now, they're just a few ideas, but there are loads and loads and loads of ideas for the sorts of events that can be run, small-scale events that can be run, are on the Passion for Life website. You'll have all these details given to you um, so you can look up uh, for ideas for yourself. And let me also say, these don't have to be events uh, in the evenings or even here in Fullwood. Um, you could run an event at work, um, maybe at lunchtime or straight after work. Um, here's a thought, how about Grilla Vicar? Um, I'll come out to your workplace or a pub nearby. Uh, you take your, your guests along and they can ask me any question they like and you can watch me squirm. Um, and we see how we get on. Uh, I'll do that. doesn't matter where you work, I'll come. Um, it, you might not want me, but that's just an idea. 
Um, if you know people at the school gate, um, uh, why not organise a coffee morning? It takes almost no planning, zero planning. Um, all you've got to be able to do is make coffee and put some biscuits on a, uh, on a plate. Even I can do that. Um, but it can be massively fruitful. If you want to be encouraged and excited about that, ask Peter Collier uh, or Lorna Cudmore, because they came to a coffee morning at Kilnhurst last, last year when we did a mission. Uh, that our, our, The three of us went along. And um, there were 12 people in the room, something like that. I can't remember exactly. Um, a good number of them didn't go to church. Some of them went to church, weren't Christians. So probably four Christians, eight non-Christians, something like that. Uh, again, I gave a little talk, and then we had great conversation for 45 minutes. Took no organisation at all, but very, very engaging. People took away literature. Um, they, I think one or two of them might have come to the guest service the following Sunday. I can't quite remember now, because it was a, kind of one of those weeks where lots of things happened. But I think Lorna and Peter would be uh, people to encourage you to see how exciting those can be. Run one of those. If you want me, I'll come and speak. What we're saying is, we'll get pe- we'll get speakers. If you're worried about speakers, we'll get we will guarantee you a speaker at an event uh, like this. Uh, let me also say on that, it doesn't. These events don't have to be from the 15th to the 23rd of March. You might want to do it the week before as well, because it might be that your diary or the diary of the friends you're going to invite just don't fit that week. Well, let's have it the week before then as well, um, and that will give me more chance to get round to all these. Um, these many, many events as well, if you want me uh, to speak. Um, all that we are saying is that these, these events to be part of our mission must have a message. They're not just social events. Nothing wrong with social events, but that's not mission, that's not evangelism. They have to have a, a gospel message uh, with Jesus at the heart. Um, and we'll help you with that if you want. One thing I think I want to say is remember, small is beautiful. Um, so that might be something I keep saying. Uh, if, you're not, if you can't remember that, just look at me. <laughs> no, no, that doesn't work either, does it? Okay. Um, so uh, um, um, why don't you, at the moment, let's just have a, I've done a lot of talking. Why don't we just stop just for a moment and uh, with either, either somebody in your group or even just in, in pairs, just think, what sort of events could we run? Just begin to think about it now, just, just for a couple of minutes. And then we'll um, and then we'll move on. One of the resources that we're going to uh, that we're going to give you, we've already got we've already got copies here. Andrew's going to refer to it a bit later, but it is uh, this: How do I plan an event? Very simple. I, I, in here, there are twenty-five um, ideas. I've already given you a few. Twenty-five ideas for how you can plan events. But it might be worth you. I mean, you could always look at look at it before you do suggest them to your group you might ask your group what they would like to do they might just go oh, I don't know then you give them 25 ideas but they might be they come up with better ideas or ideal for your group that, that aren't in the 25 but if you're anything like me once you've been given 25 you can't think outside of the, that, those 25 anyway use it however you like can you begin to get a feel for how exciting this would be um, literally hundreds of people coming to these events over the week or the fortnight um, uh, when we run guest events here, we, you know, we, when we run big, bigger guest events, we might get, at a good one, 100 people, and not all of those will be guests. Um, but, but if they are, we say that was a good event. But you just think about the events I've already mentioned. Um, you know, pub quiz, 12 people getting 60 along. Um, 
at five guests along. Just imagine if we got um, everybody bought five guests during that week. I mean, I'm not saying that's what you've got to do, but just imagine everybody bought five guests during that week. How big are we? We're a church of, well, if we just call the small group, 700 people. Um, you can do the maths. I'm not sure I can. Is that 3,500 guests? That's, that's astonishing, isn't it? Well, we, we, essentially, we couldn't do that. But if we ought... Now, I'm not naive. I, don't, I know we're not going to get 3,500. Well, dear, oh dear. Here's one who believes in a big God who's just said that's not possible. Um, that could happen. But I'm also aware that I don't want to be disappointed is what I'm saying. Um, but if we got 1,500 guests, you suddenly think that's not out of the question. Um, to hear something of the gospel. Very, very exciting. Uh, so, uh, small is beautiful, and don't look at me to remember that. And uh, you can uh, take these away. I think Tim reckons there's a, probably enough for a couple for each. Now, before I move on from uh, preparation, not only is it planning events for Mission Week, and you will have this term to think about it, but also the following term as well. But we reckon by the time you get to the following term... You want to be sort of some way down the track. And this next point is part of the reason for that. This is a great term to be connected with unbelievers. By that I don't mean necessarily making new friends, although that's always a good thing to do. Um, you know, if some people might say, you might, you might even find yourself, but you might find people in your group saying, you know, I, I, part of the problem is I just don't have any unbelieving friends, really. Um, and uh, you could say to them, well, hey, what do you enjoy? You know what I enjoy, because I talk about it all the time. I enjoy tennis. But, you know, why don't you go and do a car mechanics uh, course? I'd love to do that. I don't know anything about car mechanics. I quite like to do that. Go and do a car mechanics course, if you like that sort of thing. And uh, get to know the rest of the people in the course who... You go and join something. Um, and you could do that this term. And uh, with Christmas coming up and Carol's by Candlelight, there's an easy invite to think. But here's the thing that I'm really thinking about with connecting with unbelievers. Um, I think uh, one of the one challenges for me is we've not had people from the tennis club round to our house for a meal for ever or a long time, one or the other. Um, it would be good for us to do that. Um, and uh, if I've invited them just round, there's more chance of then inviting them to something else. Uh, a lot of you, your friendships will be further on with that. Well, go out with your friends, you know, to the theatre. Um, invite you going to the theatre. Say, I'm going to the theatre, would you like to come with me? And then when you invite them to this theatre, they're more likely to come. It's not odd. Uh, why have you suddenly invited me to go to socially with you to something, to the church, when you've never invited me before? Um, so this is a good term for us to be connecting with people. If you're thinking of doing um, what I might call a meal with a message, an evangelistic supper party, do a meal before you do a meal with a message uh, with the same group of people. There's all sorts of ways that we, we can be preparing by connecting with unbelievers uh, during this term, and that will uh, really help us. So, uh, one element is training, second element is preparation, the third element, we're nearly done, is the mission week. Uh, I've already mentioned that, uh, 15th to the 23rd of March, but we can push it to the week before as well for all these events if they fit better. Now, we are really believing that and excited that this will work best if it is filled with events that you have planned, not that we have planned. But we have planned a few things um, uh, to, to, uh, to, to kind of uh, get us on our way. Uh, the first is on the Saturday 15th of March, the Gospel Choir Day. We had one 
uh, earlier in the year, and it was brilliant. Everybody who went on it enjoyed it, but then, of course, it was followed up by the gospel choir service. Uh, we're going to do that again because it was so good and brought so many uh, guests as well. So uh, we've organised that. Uh, we've also organised uh, something uh, on Thursday, the 20th of March, called Three Witnesses. It is a dramatic presentation of Luke's gospel. Um, again, I, I've not seen it, but I've uh, heard rave reviews. Um, I'll tell you a bit more why we've done Luke's gospel uh, in a moment. Um, but that will be a great thing, uh, particularly for people who are arty, who like that kind of thing, you know, like uh, theatre. Um, that will be a very, very, very good thing to come to. Um, and, uh, and then we've got guest services on the 23rd of March all day. The idea of the guest services at the end of the week, of course, is that in your small event, uh, you can give a piece of literature and we come and hear some more. You can take them back to any of those things, but particularly the last thing, come and hear some more, uh, is a great thing to do. And then finally, follow-up. Um, so the Passion for Life year doesn't end uh, in Mission Week. It continues it continues after the week of mission uh, with this follow-up. There'll be some obvious follow-up. Easter happens uh, just shortly after Passion Fly. That's quite a good thing. It's not that we say, oh, invite people again, but rather people who've come to something might want to come back to something. And so Easter is always a good, good, good thing to come to because we're talking about the cross and the resurrection, of course. So uh, we try to make all the uh, public things that we do uh, evangelistic at Easter anyway. Um, then, of course, there'll be Christianity Explored, which we'll be running in the following term, uh, which we will continue to run, a great course to invite people to. Uh, those will be things you can invite your friends to. That will be mentioned at all the events, hopefully mentioned at your small, uh, small group events as well. Um, but the, um, uh, the other uh, big thing that we want to introduce is one-to-one. Now, we're going to talk more about this at, at um, Service Station in January. Um, but uh, some of you will know through UCCF, um, uh, there's been uh, this material, uh, which is uh, a little Luke's Gospel and uh, a kind of workbook for people to take uh, their friends one-to-one through Luke's Gospel. been massively effective and, and very well used. Um, this is being rewritten uh, to be more uh, not uh, friendly to the, pe- to the people who aren't students, so it doesn't just have a student feel. But it basically is about taking your friends through reading the Bible one-to-one through Luke's Gospel. And again, just looking around me here, but looking around the church family, I just see loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of very, very able, mature Christians who could do that. But my guess is that I probably see, I don't know, a lot of Christians who think they can't do it. But you can. It's not very complex, but it is a bit scary when you have never done it. But we're going to try and help you to think about doing that. How exciting. How exciting. Not only to have 3,500 people coming to guest events, but then to have potentially, let's say 700, the people that come to small groups, 700 personal workers, 700 people all reading the Bible with another person. Now, look, I'm not going to put a ridiculous expectation upon you. Uh, you, you might not be able to feel you can, but even if you can, you might invite your friend and they might say no. So this isn't a, a measure of how godly you are, whether you end up reading one-to-one with somebody. But it's rather saying we want to equip you to be able to do it and then to give you the thought that maybe you could. And how exciting to think that even a 100 people in the church family are reading the Bible with their friend one-to-one. And not just that term, but then saying... I can do this, I can do it with other people. I can simply ask the question, would you like to read the Bible with me? I, I know what, how 
terrified she'd get answer, asking simple questions. I couldn't even ask my mates if you could ask God one question. I did end up asking them, by the way, but I was pretty scared. So I know how hard it is to ask simple questions, but do you see the point? Now, we're going to talk a lot more about that uh, through the year. You don't need that now in too much depth because you've got plenty of other things to think about. But that will be the other big part of, um, of follow-up. Uh, so I- I'm very excited about um, uh, Passion for Life. Um, uh, dozens of people, uh, do- dozens and dozens of small groups inviting uh, people to small events, uh, meaning hundreds of people who don't normally come under the sound of the gospel hearing the gospel. And then, potentially, dozens and dozens, maybe even hundreds of people reading the Bible one-to-one with hundreds of people. Um, and that going on, not just for the following term, but beyond it might be this is a little taste for you as small groups to say, we could do this any time. We don't need this to be organised. We could run a group any time, an event any time. And we could read the Bible with somebody any time. And how exciting that would be if, this really, if we really took off this term, this year, that for really for the next 10 years this was in our DNA, that we just do that. And uh, you don't, wouldn't have to have me organising events for you. Just do it. Just ask me to come and speak if you want me to. So there we are. I better not get carried away. Um, quarter two, that's pretty good timing. I'm going to hand over to Andrew, who's going to help us to look through um, one week of the Passion uh, for Witness material. Let's, uh, let's take a one-minute uh, leg-stretching break, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump straight into uh, looking at the DVD material that we're going to be focused on this term. Okay, for this, uh, for this session, you'll need uh, two sheets of paper. There is a, uh, a pink A4 uh, sheet uh, that is uh, the session six uh, outline. Uh, but just before that one, you'll also need uh, this green one, making the most of the a Passion to Witness resource. So they're the two sheets that you'll need uh, for now. What I want to do just for a couple of minutes is just uh, using that sort of green outline if you wanted to make notes, um, is just talk through this resource that uh, we're going to be using for the autumn term. I know many of you are kicking that off next week. For each group, there is a, a DVD uh, of, uh, of, for the course with names on it just there. You can pick that up uh, in the break or at uh, the end of the morning, but that's there for you. If for some reason your group doesn't have one, uh, please do let me know or, or let Tim know and we'll make sure uh, we get you one. But that's, that's what you'll need uh, for that. We're just going to um, uh, talk through that. Now, the, the purpose of this, uh, this resource, A Passion to Witness, its purpose is not uh, to train you to invite people uh, to events in March 2014. It has a much bigger ambition than that, and that is to equip you not to bring people to events, but to bring people to the Lord Jesus uh, to train you, to equip you and encourage you uh, to share uh, the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And so it is very much geared uh, all the way through towards that. Um, it's very practical. Uh, there are nine sessions that we'll be doing uh, over the course of the term. You would have got the, uh, the term planner uh, for the small groups for the year and you'll, uh, for, for autumn and you'll see how that uh, fits together. And in just a moment we're going to look at one of the sessions, session six, which is... Uh, really picking up on uh, what Paul finished with there, that, that follow-up part of what we're doing. That is uh, opening up the Bible uh, with an unbelieving uh, friend. We'll do that uh, in a moment. 
But just uh, let me say a few things by way of course uh, contents. As I said, there's a copy of the DVD for everyone. There's nine sessions. And over the nine sessions, really, there's three areas uh, that the course will focus on. Uh, the first is perhaps most importantly, and that is the content of the gospel. Uh, that's the very first week with uh, very own Paul Williams. Uh, will be uh, the first week of uh, the course. After that, there's two weeks on uh, really motivation for and obstacles uh, to sharing the gospel. That's week two and week three. But then from then on, six weeks in a row uh, will be how to share the gospel. It's very practical, all sorts of things. Uh, Telling your story, uh, how to open the Bible with another person and uh, discuss it together, how to lead someone to Christ, how to answer tough questions. All of these things uh, will be covered uh, in the different weeks. Um, The course is very deliberately designed not to require a high level of preparation. Uh, So you won't, I hope, be having to painstakingly work in preparation before uh, the small group uh, gets together. Um, Really, it's a very simple pattern that each session follows, and that is it alternates between uh, brief uh, presentations, and we'll be watching one in a minute, uh, for a few minutes, and then the DVD pauses, and there's some questions to discuss together. And the DVD does all that work for you. Uh, All the way through, the, the presenters say, pause the DVD now. You don't actually even have to do that. Um, it'll pause for itself and the questions will be there. But what I've done for you is, uh, and we'll talk about this in a second, is uh, prepare little outlines just so that you've got uh, the questions that will appear uh, there. But that's the, that's the pattern. Little presentations, some questions. More presentations, some questions. And then times for prayer as well as it goes along. Let me say, just on the questions that do appear on the DVD sessions, uh, if in your looking at it in advance that you think actually they're, they're, those questions are a bit of a dud, and there are some moments where, uh, well, I'm not sure whether I meant to say this, but they are. Um, uh, and I, I suspect that's because the presenters have presented and then they've been asked to come up with questions and not had a lot of time. Uh, some of them are brilliant, but do, do be creative. If you've got better questions uh, in response to what they've said, ask those, discuss those. Don't feel bound. Uh, you know your group. Uh, and so feel free to uh, go off um, the reservation uh, with things like that. Uh, so that's the course contents. Just in terms of course outline. Now, what you'll find on your DVD is that, uh, and I only discovered this yesterday, we should have discovered it a month ago, uh, there are outlines uh, on there, on a sort of a CD-ROM uh, thing, so you can use those. But what I've tried to do is come up with uh, outlines that, that suit our purposes, that uh, suit the year that we have ahead of us and suit uh, your groups. So you'll get one of those. You'll get one each week, and you'll get them, uh, say, a week in advance of when you're studying uh, the material. Um, now, you, you might at that point think, uh, hang on, I want them well in advance so that I can prepare. As I said, it doesn't require a lot of preparation, and you will have the DVD. So that's the key to preparing, watching the DVD, thinking through how you're going to lead the group. But you'll get that a week or so in advance. And one of the reasons that we're sort of doing that week by week is just to keep them relevant. There's a, there's a section which we'll talk about in a section in a, in a moment, which will be prayer points for the week, and we want that to be up to date rather than something that I prepared um, months ago. Um, you will have got, I hope, this last week, the first session emailed to you. Did everyone get that email? Brilliant. What we're going to do is that, that will be the pattern. You'll receive that email with just some encouragements about this particular week that we're looking at. Uh, it's, it's up to you whether you decide just to have that outline for yourself, and that's, that's perfectly okay. Or if you want everyone in your group to have one, feel free to email it out to them or print out enough copies for your group. If uh, that's not possible for whatever reason, you don't own a printer, you don't have email or whatever it might be, uh, then the office can make you uh, copies, enough copies for your group, but you'll need to tell them that. 
and ask for that uh, in advance. Um, let's, let's have a quick look at session six, the outline, and then we'll actually jump into it. I just want to show you uh, how uh, the sessions work. Uh, you'll see on the, on the outline there, um, what I've tried to do is to indicate where the DVD presentation parts are and then also where the discussion sections are. And I've had a go at uh, setting some timings for that. The timings of the video are set, they are as long as they are, uh, but also to try and guess how long I think you should spend uh, discussing each of uh, the, the section of questions. And the way I've done that is to sort of plan each of these sessions to last you an hour. And so, so if your group meeting is meeting for an hour, that's the length of time that you've got if you follow uh, these timings. There's another little half-hour slot that we'll talk about in a minute, we'll say if your group met for, as is typical of most of our groups, say an hour and a half uh, together. Now, if your timing is different, you'll have to sort of tweak that uh, for your group. But as you can see, uh, this session six that we're about to look at begins with a very short introduction. A lot of them do. One minute on the DVD. And then we dive into some questions. And we'll, we'll have a go at this on our tables in, in just a moment. Then there's a longer section where it's um, talking about why we open the Bible in gospel conversation. Then again, time for discussion uh, on the back of that. And it just follows that pattern. You can see that as you turn over the page. Uh, there's a brilliant little section in this one uh, where you get to have a go in pairs in your group of uh, practicing that, that, that whole thing that we're going to be doing in follow-up, of opening the Bible with an unbeliever looking at a passage together, asking questions together. Uh, and so you'll have an opportunity in this, uh, in this term to be practising that uh, in your groups. And then the DVD concludes. What I've tried to do where, where the session doesn't have it is insert prayer times as well, because that's going to be key. It is key for our small groups, and I want it to remain key that we are expressing uh, dependence on God and responding uh, to what we're learning uh, in prayer. So that's, if you like, a, a, a sort of a very quick look at how the hour sessions work. You'll see at the bottom of uh, the back of uh, the outline there what's called the 2014 Field Kit. And uh, what I'm hoping we'll do in our groups is this, that you'll, you'll have that hour session together and then you've got, say, another half hour uh, to spare as a group and you'll use that each week in this sort of Field Kit section. And I guess what I mean by Field Kit is that what we're doing in many ways is... Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer had this brilliant image of Christians. He says that we live in wartime and we're preparing for battle. And I think in the best sense, that's what Paul has been talking to us about in this year, that we are preparing for the greatest battle of all, and that is to win souls for Christ, to win men and women uh, for the Lord uh, for eternity. And we want to prepare for that. We want to work at that. We don't want this, uh, this whole process of doing this to be just a theoretical exercise, that we've learned some stuff that we're never going to use. Uh, we want to go into, into battle with it. And that's what this section is about. Each week, I want our groups to spend some time uh, firstly seeing that there's further resources to dig into. You don't have to do that in the group, but there will be some recommendations for, especially if there's people in your group that think, I'd love to think about this aspect further, Ask, answering difficult questions or sharing my story or whatever it might be. There'll be uh, resources to dig deeper into uh, in the following weeks. Then there'll be time for prayer. There'll be a prayer point or points for us as a church as a whole, but also uh, for yourself as well. And I guess that's for you as a leader to think about what that might be. You'll, you'll see we've done a sort of a, a mock-up version there uh, for this one. I'm praying for Wendy, Liz and Esther uh, and thanking God for the meal that we had together. So that's on the back of people that perhaps you're getting to know uh, this term. You'll be praying for them 
week in, week out. And the other key thing in that sort of field kit section, and this is what uh, uh, Paul was speaking about before, is that we are gearing up towards our own events in March. And uh, I don't know about you, but the way these things work, if they're planned regularly, if you're thinking about them again and again, that's when they, that's when they come to fruition. If we sort of get to the new year and get to sort of February and think, oh, we really should have done something about that, uh, it'll all be too late. So let's work on it every week, just a little bit every week, thinking about it, making sure that it's on the boil. And so that's your section to be doing that uh, as a group. And to help you with that, I think this, this little booklet that Paul uh, referred to is immensely helpful. So please do uh, grab one of those on the way out. How do I plan an event March uh, 2014? Brilliant. Uh, help in there and brilliant ideas for events Uh, so please do grab one of those but each week I'd love you to be keeping that uh, on the boil uh, in your groups last couple of comments before we uh, have a a brief look at this uh, uh, session 6 first is to say while while I've encouraged you that there is less preparation required that doesn't mean uh, no preparation uh, I, I think that the best thing you can do to prepare is, in the week leading up to it, to watch the session yourself, uh, to think about the bits that you really want to focus in on as a group, uh, to work out whether my timings are right or whether you want to have a bit more time for discussion on a particular part of it. Um, and I think if you can, I mean, this is, depends on the sort of time that you have to spare in, the, in, say, in the next month. If you can be well ahead, I think it would be worth looking through the whole thing. I found it really helpful basically watching the thing in one, one uh, session, which is basically about two and a bit hours. So it's, it's almost a movie length. So maybe a Saturday night uh, with uh, some popcorn, uh, you can watch uh, Passion to Witness. Um, well worth doing that. Then you've got a real sense. If somebody says, oh, I'd love to be thinking about this, you can think, ah, that's great. In two weeks, uh, we'll be thinking about that. You won't know that unless you've uh, looked ahead. Uh, second bit of advice keep March 2014 on the agenda as I said this is not a theoretical exercise the whole point of this is to gear ourselves up for uh, bringing people to Christ and that week is going to be a great time to be doing that so keep that uh, on the agenda the other thing and this is a bit left field from this passion to witness stuff and that is to say keep talking about what you're learning about on Sundays Uh, we're going to be looking at Romans we're going to be looking at Acts all of that will feed into what we're learning uh, in this series uh, talk about what you're learning together. That's what we're in the habit of doing uh, in our group, so keep, uh, keep doing that. Maybe have time to say, what have you been learning on uh, Sundays uh, recently? A um, couple of other things. Think through room location. Remember, this is a DVD. You want people to be able to see it. How's that going to work where your small group meets? Will it work? All of those things. If you can't see a way it would work, uh, one piece of advice is uh, think about booking a room here in the church centre. It's a very busy church centre. There's always things going on. Uh, but there might be a time and a room and uh, a TV in one of the rooms that you could use if, if that's the only uh, solution for you. It would be brilliant if it worked in a home, uh, but if not, uh, please do contact the office about that. And finally, to say, use the resources that are there. Use this year planner. It's going to be really helpful. Everyone in your group will get one of those. Uh, use the uh, event planner uh, that uh, we were just talking about. That's going to be helpful as you do that field kit section. And obviously the term planner will guide you as to how we're going through this uh, series throughout the term. Grab a DVD uh, in the break or afterwards. And remember, you'll get these outlines uh, each week uh, that will help you. Now, there may be some questions about all of that, and I'll take them uh, just at the end. But what we're going to do now is uh, we won't get through all of it, but we'll dive into session six, just so you can get a sense of how 
uh, these works. So if you grab that pink sheet again, uh, this is what we're going to be doing. And I'm going to try and act as much as I can over the next sort of little while as a small group leader of our small group here. And uh, we're going to do this as much as we can for real. So uh, uh, here is the first little bit. So there it is. There's the first uh, bit of uh, session six that you'll do together. And again, the point of this is it's not theoretical, is it? We want those discussions that you're about to have uh, around your tables to be real. Uh, real fears, uh, the worst case scenario for um, an evangelistic conversation or perhaps a real experience of a worst case scenario. And also dream scenarios. Uh, what, what, are, what are we hoping would happen uh, when we talk to a friend? So there you can see the questions in front of you. Uh, spend a couple of minutes on your table, describing the perfect evangelistic conversation and the worst conversation you can imagine or experience. Okay, let's, um, let's come back together. As you can see, uh, the timings are slightly off uh, this morning. I, 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 for that section, there's only two little questions there. Uh, there's only two little questions, but I've said uh, allow ten minutes. And uh, I guess the reason for that is that on a session like this that we want people to express, as Paul was talking about, fears uh, for evangelism, things that either have gone wrong in the past that might prevent them uh, from feeling emboldened to share their faith in the, in the future, or even just perceive fears. This is what I think might happen. And people to tell their story. So there's 10 minutes to do that, uh, to use good time uh, to discuss those together. And then, then what we do in the sessions, we dive back into the next section, which goes like this. Brilliant. Don't you like the sort of walk and talk videos? It's brilliant, isn't it? You try that in Australia, you would have been crash tackled down the stairs. Um, this, uh, this for me, the reason we're looking at this session, this is for me the, the, the very heart of what we're going for with uh, this mission uh, this year. And that is that, that, as Paul said, that a wonderful picture of hundreds of us uh, opening up the Bible uh, with unbelieving friends. Uh, the other side of Easter, it would be brilliant, uh, wouldn't it? Uh, it is, as we saw in the little promo video at the start, that is, as, as Acts gives us, how the, the gospel spontaneously grew. And normal Christians uh, reading the Bible uh, with uh, normal unbelievers and leading them uh, to Christ. So you're going to be leading that uh, in your groups. As we, as we come to this session. So just take a moment now, just take one minute and maybe 30 seconds of that to think and reflect and then share with uh, the people on your table you've just been tricked, as, as we've seen, uh, who are you going to be reading the Bible with or who would you hope to read the Bible with uh, the other side of Easter uh, next year. So just take a moment to do that on your table. Okay, let's, um, let's come back together. I'm very much hoping that uh, you have uh, started in your own mind um, thinking of a person uh, that you will ask. Um, it would be brilliant, wouldn't it, uh, to get to section six um, in, in this uh, series in your group, knowing already uh, the people that you plan to ask. Um, you'll notice on the, the year planner that uh, that follow-up section has the plan that we would pray for three people, uh, that we would give, uncover uh, the Uncover Gospel, Luke's Gospel, to three people, and then we would read with three people in uh, that spring-summer term. Now, that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? It won't happen, just like the event won't happen, unless we're already thinking 
along those lines, praying for those people. That's the best thing that we could be doing uh, even now. Uh, so please uh, do enjoy. I think session six is a, a key one for us uh, as a church family. Uh, we won't look at the, the other sections now. I'm keen for us to stay on time. But the next bit he'll do, which is really helpful, is uh, to show us how to actually do that, how to open up the Bible in a gospel conversation. A really helpful encouragement and advice in that section. And uh, we're going to be zooming in on that in the January uh, service Sunday on uh, one-to-ones and the how-to of uh, one-to-ones uh, with unbelievers. And uh, remember, the, the pattern that we're going to be following this year is that in the spring term in small groups, we'll be studying Luke's Gospel together. And that is in the hope that when it comes to the summer term, you'll be very familiar with those passages. And so when it comes to reading the Bible with someone, you'll, you'll, you'll be an old hand at Luke's Gospel, ready uh, to read uh, with someone else. So that's that section. Over the page you can see on the outline, uh, there is a, just an, a go at doing that in your groups with Luke chapter 5, uh, getting into pairs, uh, one person trying to play the role of the unbeliever and uh, the other just uh, playing the role of uh, leading them through that passage. And then there's time to pray uh, for those gospel conversations. And for me, that last bit, prayer, I've said it a number of times already, but I'll say it again. Uh, if this is going to be more than theoretical for us, uh, that is this training, uh, then it needs to keep coming back to committing it before the Lord in prayer. When we do that, I find that when I do that in different aspects of my life, as soon as I am saying out loud to him, this is what I'm planning, this is what I'm hoping, all of a sudden it raises the bar a fair, fair bit. So please do keep doing that in your groups. And then obviously uh, there'll be time in that session to do the 2014 uh, field kit uh, part. Now, in just a moment, we're going to have a break. Um, before we hear some stories of uh, people sharing the gospel with others. Uh, just before we do have a break, are there any burning questions uh, that people have about any of this? Brilliant. If you do have a question you'd like to ask, please do come up uh, in the break and I'm happy to answer it. Uh, let me pray for us now. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much uh, that your word is indeed living and active, uh, sharper than any double-edged sword. Uh, we thank you that the word of grace, the word of your Son, found each one of us here out. Uh, that we came to you in repentance and faith because of what we heard about your Son. And Lord, we long to see uh, many of our friends or family or colleagues uh, hear that same gospel and come to life in your Son as well. And please uh, help us, Father, for this to be far more than just an exercise for us as a church family. Uh, but very much lining up with you in the mission you have in this world, and that is to uh, draw men and women to yourself through your Son. Uh, we pray that you will do uh, big things through us this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's take a break, and we'll come back together at uh, 10.30.